Welcome to the Knowles 24-7 podcast. I'm Brendan Sinone, and I'm here with Bob Ferrante and Chris Nee uh, in person. We are all a little emotionally hungover from the first week of fall camp. But hey, guys, football's back. I have a little bit of caffeine, um, a really large cup of, of coffee from Panera trying to get going. Chris looks nice and tan and, and frankly, really kind of sexy from, uh, from his time in Mexico. He's got the beard grown out a little bit, looks refreshed. But Bob and I are, are running on fumes here, so... Uh, we have a lot of stuff to get to. FSU had media day on Sunday. We're recording this on Monday. So you can go and check Knowles 24-7 out to kind of see all the content galleries and um, stories off of it, a lot of video, photos. And, uh, and and Chris did a really nice job with the observations from FSU's open practice, which, frankly, guys, is the only time we'll be able to, to see a full practice. So that's what we're going to start off with here. You could read through Chris's observations. This is going to be our chance to kind of flush things out a little bit, talk about it more in depth, what we saw from the first practice. Uh, so let's start with initial takeaways of, of what you what you guys saw from, from yesterday's practice. I thought in general for a team that's one week in the preseason practice, they looked pretty sharp. There were a healthy amount of penalty flags on the day, but nothing that was like atrocious. You know, Rick Leonard got hit one time because he grabbed somebody beating him around the edge. Yeah, Brian Burns, I thought he broke his yeah. <laughs> leg up first. He's there fine. Were a couple instances where, you know, DBs and receivers got mixed up, and some of those are ticky-tack. Officials are going to call it a little more sensitive in that than a real game situation. Like, there was one where a receiver fell down and he got, the DB got flagged, and truthfully, I didn't get a game. That wouldn't be flagged. Um, but in general, I came away thinking they looked pretty good. The defensive line is who we thought they were. Mm-hmm. Defensive secondary is loaded with talent, and the young guys have a shot. I love Hamsa, love yeah. Stanford Samuels. I think they're two guys that can do things this year. Hamsa's obviously got to wait behind Derwin at that fall. Um, linebacker talent is better than it's been in the last few years. It's deeper, and you got two very experienced guys at the top. And I think Matthew Thomas is a kid that's ready to be what he was supposed to be. Yeah, you're Offense. all in on the on the Matthew Thomas. I am. I, I think Matt. I think the way Matt finished last year is the way Matt's going to start this year. I think he's got a real shot of being the player he can be. Um, for him, it's a lot about confidence. I'll get more into that from what I talked to him about at media day. And offensively, you know, the O line has work to do, but it, I didn't. They looked atrocious or even bad. I just thought they looked mediocre, mm-hmm. good, decent enough. Um, I thought DeAndre looked like a man in complete control. Running backs are a really deep, super talented bunch with a lot of real good top-end talent. Yeah. Um, you know, Delvin's not walking through that door, but there's plenty of guys walking through that door who can take the ball and run it down the field. And receivers, not a deep bunch. The top two with Nooney and Tate look like guys that are ready to go. And, you know, we'll figure out what the rest is. Gavin looks like a kid that can break out, but yeah. I'll believe it when he starts doing it in game since he didn't do much last year in that setting. Tight ends actually kind of disappointed yesterday. I just didn't see much from them. Um, but I'm not worried about that group. Is Owen Saunders will lead it. McKitty's a nice compliment guy. And mm-hmm. that's pretty much my thoughts. I, I thought overall for one weekend, the tempo was really good. They got in and out of stuff. They looked like a team that knew what the hell they were doing. They looked comfortable in their own shoes. And they looked like they were focused. I think, I think there is a hyper focus with this team. One, because it's a largely experience group I wouldn't necessarily say veteran group but their experience a lot of guys have played a lot of downs practiced a lot of downs mm-hmm. and I think the fact you open with a team like Bama also makes it where you're, you're not lollygagging you're ready to get going and you're practicing for that game already and I think the team is also keenly aware of, of what can go wrong based on last season too I think that's kind of stuck with with guys a little bit as well this this offseason some have gone as far to say that, that that's something that that they don't forget so uh Bob, I guess, what were your takeaways? What did you observe yesterday outside of the, the special teams and the, and the kick in your specialty? You know, I, I, I walked by Tamari and Terry, and I, I did a double take. I thought, 
did Auden Tate all of a sudden change numbers and lose a few pounds, or, or did FSU find a, a similarly built, yes, you know, a little bit thinner receiver than, than Auden? And after double-checking my roster and, and realizing, yeah, that's, that's a freshman, that's Terry, very similarly built, and then he, he really showed, you know, my goodness, practice number six. Mm-hmm. You know, he had chemistry with the quarterbacks. He looked good. He was catching just about everything in, that came his way. Um, and you have to question who he's being covered by. It wasn't the first team cornerbacks, of course. But I thought for a guy in practice number six to show what he was, it kind of shows you that, that he might be able to contribute right away. And that's that's really tough for a freshman who was not an early enrollee. We, we've kind of documented that Florida State, that doesn't happen a whole lot. Guys like Travis Rudolph and Rashad Green have only really done that. But I thought he stood out. Keith Gavin was making a lot of plays. Mm-hmm. I, I thought, you know, Levante did his best to try and cover a guy who he's giving a lot of pounds and that's a lot know, of what, eight, half a eight, foot. nine inches <laughs> yeah. at least. Um, but but Gavin was was really impressive. Um, I know we don't want to beat the guy too much, but JJ looked <laughs> really really bad. Um, he was on the opposite field of Jimbo early on. Missed a lot of targets. He was throwing behind a guy in his route. Um, and then early on, you saw Bailey working on Jimbo's side of the field. And Bailey Hockman looked like a freshman, but he looked better. He looked more composed. I, I thought he was taking to the coaching from Jimbo. There was some positive and negative you know, critiques. Of course, that's the way it's going to be in a practice. Mm-hmm. But I, I took away that, that Bailey looks more ahead, more ready if needed, um, you know, to, to come on board and, and play if he, if he has to. Well, so let's go down the list and kind of go position by position with, with what we saw and I guess what our expectations were of this group uh, entering, you know, entering fall camp and I guess what we saw week one of practice from what we've heard, what we saw yesterday. And, and to preface this, um, you know, this is just one practice that we see. We don't get to see every single practice. So for us to compare you know, how they looked versus another time, yeah. That's going to be difficult, and yeah, I don't we, want us to, to say that we are knowing everything here because we only have so much context. It's very little context, quite frankly. Yeah, to set the scene, we get about 30 to 40 minutes most days for practice when it's open, which in the past week has been, what, three practices prior to yesterday? Yeah, and it's typically stretching. and Right, so there's not a whole lot to glean from it. Um, you are able to see guys that you know kind of look like – you can kind of read guys, guys that are there just – kind of going through it and guys that are there to get better and it's an eye um, test too like who but, looks the part who's yeah. passing the initial but yesterday down. is really the first and only true glimpse we get of what this team will be when they walk into the dome against Alabama as far as the entire pie yeah no I agree that's a good way to put it so let, let's go one slice at a time with the pie let's start with quarterbacks Bob you've talked a little bit about you know, Bailey Hockman uh, Chris you mentioned DeAndre Francois just real quick I agree with Chris I thought Francois looked pretty poised Listen, he's not a guy that is going to be a surgeon uh, consistently. Yeah. He, he's not a guy that's just going to get in the rhythm and go and, and make 10 perfect passes in a row. But, man, the passes he does make are really good, and he can get himself out of a funk pretty quickly, and I think that's his strengths. And you kind of saw that yesterday. He made some really nice deep passes. You can tell he's very comfortable in his own skin. I think for Florida State, that's the encouraging sign with him. I don't think he's ever going to be a super-duper accurate uh you know, completing 70% of his passes kind of guy. I just don't think that's him. But I do think he knows what he is. And, and to me, that's the, the big step that you want to see him is just being super comfortable in his own skin all the time. Yeah, I thought he worked in the middle of the field pretty effectively. 
he did a fair job in the flats, especially short, which I've always been kind of critical of his ability to do that. He kind of struggles with the give me throw underneath, which I know is not the easiest throw, but for a guy like him that has such a deep downfield threat, he needs to be good at also dumping it off and taking what's there. Down the field, he was excellent, I thought. The thing that impressed me yesterday was there was a couple times he swallowed the ball, which a year ago when Jimbo would have went irate on him, he wouldn't have handled it very well or been able to explain it. And yesterday, in the instances he did it, which was only two or three times, there was clear communication between him and Coach Fisher about why he did it, what he was seeing, why he didn't get rid of it, what was going on. So I took that as, like, this is a young man that's kind of maturing and knowing when to get rid of it, when to keep it, and whatnot. And in that setting, you know, that's a real game. He's throwing that away or he's scrambling or he's going to throw it into the ground. You know, he's not going to take a sack. I don't think it's a matter of that. I think in the practice setting, he's trying to make the pass down the field because that's what's being asked of him in that setting. He had one bad throw on the day, really, in the sense of it would have been critical in a game against him. And that was when Derwin, who is arguably the best player in college football, jumped around and picked in with yeah. a pick six. Other than that, I don't really have a single play where I would critique him a great deal. J.J.'s a complete non-factor. Bailey <laughs> Hawkman looks like a kid that will be good. Obviously, you don't want to rely on him year one, but he looks kind of like a sponge who enjoys being a quarterback and being criticized by a quarterback's coach. He's a kid that wants to play for a guy who coaches quarterbacks. It's pretty clear watching that. And with James Blackman, I mean, he throws some of the prettiest deep balls you're ever going to see. The natural arm action is there, but he's got a long ways to go. He's got a lot to learn. He's got to develop both physically and mentally. Yeah, he is thin. And you don't want him to play year one. Really, really. You, you really want him to thin. eat a lot of sandwiches, drink some gravy, <laughs> get bigger, learn the game, and become a good football player in a couple of years. We were talking about that yesterday. Wouldn't that be just a great a great job just to have to gain? Like, he's under 65 pounds. Like, do we need you to be 190 by next season? So gain 30 pounds in a year. Like, It's the only job I've ever been good at. <laughs> do you get paid for that? <laughs> no. <laughs> if only. Um, Honey fried chicken on Friday. I mean, that'll that's a, that's a starting point for sure. James um, should get it seven days a week, three <laughs> meals a day. <laughs> um, I, I agreed with Blackman. I thought... You know some of the some of the deep passes he threw. Man, that ball comes off effortlessly, effortlessly off his hands. Uh, but yeah, a lot of room for him to grow physically. You saw consistency. I mean, some passes were fantastic. Others were just. I mean, it, it was not great. Uh, Bob alluded to Hawkman, and I really liked what we saw of him. There's a, a he's still raw in the sense where he's figuring things out around him, but he he does pick up quickly. He's got a lot of good mechanical traits that I like. You know, he kind of he, he steps into his throws. He looks really poised when he is moving around the pocket. Uh, so I like him there, and, and I just think if I mean, we talked about this entering the year, if if DeAndre Francois for whatever reason goes down, if it's more than a series or two, like I I'm pretty sure after watching yesterday, I think Hawkman is your best bet. I don't even think it's it's close. Yeah, it's tough. Jimbo's never done it. You don't want to do it. But I think when you have two guys, two quarterbacks in the same class, they're both two true freshmen, you have to f- figure out which one do I need to go to if it's a, you know, break the glass, go get mm-hmm. that fire extinguisher. I think it's Bailey Hockman. Um, I think he's just more ready to contribute and, and has a good grasp of the playbook. Um, you know, interesting with, with DeAndre, just kind of big picture, talking with Randy Sanders yesterday. You know, his thing was you know, DeAndre needs to just continue to fine-tune that grasp of, of what the defenses are showing. And as he can better read and interpret what the defense is doing, he can analyze, you know, what's the strength of that coverage? What's the weakness of that coverage? How can I better attack it? And he feels like then you're better prepared going into a game. I thought that was 
kind of a, a basic and, and maybe obvious in some sense kind of analysis of how you mature and, and grow as a quarterback, but it kind of shows you what's what's the next step, what's the next phase for DeAndre, where does he need to take that that jump into year two as a as a starter. All right, so let's let's move to running backs. Who's the who's the clear heir apparent to, to Dalvin Cook, or is there a singular one at this point? That's kind of my thought, is that there's a bunch of guys. I think it's group. I mean, I, I think Patrick clearly is prepared to be a bigger part of the offense. Jimbo still wants him to run better behind his pads and play bigger. There was an instance yesterday where he caught a ball out of backfield, turned up field, and left himself as a big target instead of kind of plowing through that second level. Um, that's going to be a constant with Jimbo pushing yeah, that on him. That's just going to be certain things get in Jimbo's craw, and he just doesn't like it. And that's one of those. And I thought Patrick ran pretty well behind pad level yeah. and stuff. Yesterday. I, I think but it's yeah. a matter of he wants to see it every, every single, single time, time he touches yeah. ball, and that's yeah, that's tough for a kid to do. He can't, can't do it wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Acres obviously the buzz is real, but man, LeBorn and Zaquandre White both deserve credit too. Zaquandre is built like a little tank. He's got those thick upper legs and. He's a guy that's got some kind of quick speed to him. He's pretty interesting, but I think LeBourne's the one. If I was going to pick another freshman running back to make a big contribution, it's him. And then we can't forget about Mir Razul. He's got pretty unique speed. He catches it really well to backfield. He can do a lot of things. So number one takeaway I had on the running backs yesterday, beyond the fact that it's a really good group, is they can catch the ball. Yeah, and all of them. Not just out of the backfield. You could line them up in the slot. You could do something. If you got to get creative with your offense – that group, the personnel, the depth, the talent provides the opportunity to do so. And maybe we'll get to wide receivers in a little bit, but that maybe that's why Jimbo doesn't seem concerned by the the depth or lack thereof of of proven wide receivers and just straight up bodies on the roster because there is versatility. And he's in all fair, he's stressed out about the running backs since spring and even before some of these freshmen came on campus. And it's clear that they can catch the ball out of the backfield and do a bunch of different things. I mean, they have Saquandre White doing punt returns. They have him. I mean, he was doing blocking drills the other day. And, man, he looks like if he wanted to put on 20 more pounds and be a fullback, like he could go ahead and, and do that. Chris is right. He's built like a tank, but he had some really nice nifty moves in space the last few days. Uh, there's a lot of good-looking running backs in that backfield, how they kind of divide things up. Uh, I'm not really sure you know, quite yet, other than I know that Patrick's going to be a factor who kind of takes that that you know the, that second role and maybe pushes him a little bit yet? I, I'm not sure. Yeah, I think versatility, as you guys are talking about, it's fun for Jimbo as a guy who can look through his playbook and kind of figure out, I think this play might work well for Cam or this one for LeBorn or, or Zaquandre. These guys are, are really versatile. They're all going to have a little bit of strengths here and there, and I think Jimbo can kind of play to those strengths. You know, being able to use a couple guys, receivers out of the backfield, I think uh, Cam went out wide on the far side yesterday. It was clearly a decoy play because DeAndre ended up running it. But, you know, you can see those guys might not just be targets in the flat, but they could run in motion and, and line up in the slot or wide. It's um, it's a really talented group. We did we did see uh, LeBorn and Zaquandre also on, uh, on kick returns. So I know that's been kind of a question is where those guys will fit in and will they get some playing time. And mm-hmm. probably the answer is, yeah, they're going to see some time somewhere on the field as freshmen. I agree with you with the versatility there. I think that's that's on display. It's going to be a lot of fun. This could be a, a fun year for Jimbo to kind of flex his muscles as an offensive coordinator and show how creative he can get if that's the route he chooses to go, if he thinks that's a necessity for this offense to be successful is to really utilize guys' strengths in, in different ways. Yeah. Uh, one thing on Laybourne real quick is – the most impressive play I thought that he had yesterday, maybe of any running back, was he picked up a, uh, a blitz from, from Nate Andrews off the edge. And I mean, that's a fifth-year senior, and I know, you know some people are high on Andrews, some aren't, but, I mean, he's a proven, valuable player on this defense. And, and LeBron just picked him up and cleaned him out and pushed him outside. 
uh, physically, uh, with authority, and, uh, and Nate Wynn gave him a pat on the butt afterwards. Like, it was it was impressive to see a 18-year-old do that to, to what is essentially a, a grown man. Yeah, one other takeaway on the backs is I don't think we're going to see a lot of fullbacks. No, and if we do, it's going to be Vickers in a two-back set, I think. Yeah, and Vickers, Neighbors, and then as an H-back, Nazir up, sure could do that. He's definitely developed into an H-back more so than a tight end. Mm-hmm. But I just, watching the personnel, the way they ran it out there yesterday, the way they did things, what they have at their disposal, what the identity of this team can be, I don't think we're going to see a whole lot of eye formation pounded down the throat. I think it's going to be more, you know, some split backs, some one-back sets, some two tight end sets. I don't. I think the fullbacks of position this year in FSU's offense, that's going to lose some value, which Jimbo loves fullbacks. He uses fullbacks more than most college coaches. Yeah. But I just think this year we're not going to see that as much, despite how much he does like Vickers. I mean, he's always very vocal about his love for Vickers' game. Yeah, and Vickers had a nice catch out of the backfield, and he can do things, but he's more of a tweener, running back, yeah. fullback type. But, you know, that's a credit to Jimbo, man. Like, when he uses the fullbacks, he's used all different kinds. Like, you know, Chad Abram was a traditional old-school, like, 1980s you know, I-formation fullback. Freddie Stevenson did a little bit of everything. Lonnie Pryor was almost kind of like a pseudo-running back. So uh, if he does use him, you know, he'll find ways. But I agree with Chris. I, I don't think we're going to see FSU married to any one type of philosophy this year. I think it's going to be really, really eclectic, uh, which is typically the case with Jimbo. It may be more so this year than, than years past. Uh, let's move to wide receivers and tight ends. Bob, you talked about uh, Tamarian Terry, and I think all three of us agree. Like, he... he and any, anyone else that's on the you know, covers the team on the beat that I saw you know, or talked to yesterday or saw coverage of today, like everyone's talking about Tamari and Terry. Like he, he looked really good. He had a drop early on, but man, he passes the eye test when you see him. Like Bob said, he walks by, you see him, you say, "Holy shit!" Like that guy looks the part. He doesn't look like an eighteen-year-old. But then to watch him, and I would like to see what he does against you know, number one cornerbacks and, and defensive backs, but against you. Know, the you know, second string, or I don't even know, we're not supposed to talk about depth chart, but he looked really, really good against some of the, the younger wide receivers to where he looked like a man amongst boys, and I think he's a guy that's ready to go to the next level because he's so polished as a, I don't know about the running part, but as a, a guy who can track the ball in the air, and that seems comfortable in his own skin, you know, playing on the field. So he's a guy that stood out to, to me. Yeah, I, I was pretty impressed with Keith Gavin. Keith, obviously, is a talented guy. The coaching staff keeps talking, talking him up. But he's also a guy that had no catches on the field last year. Yeah, like eight targets, zero right. catches. Two bad interferences, but... But uh, Keith can be kind of an X factor for them. I mean, Tate's become the clear-cut big number one. Murray's become the clear-cut smaller number one guy that you're going to go to. But I think Keith is that next guy up. Keith and George are the guys that can be X factors. George Campbell in this offense because they're big play threats down the field who are physical mismatches. George is more of a sprinter, while Keith is more of kind of a lumberer, but he's athletic for his size. Did a good job getting in and out of cuts, working to the middle. You know, he's able to turn that big body, kind of shield off the defender, separate quickly, give himself a target. That's how you make plays. That's Mm -hmm. how you become a productive receiver in the passing game. Not only the big plays, but the ability to create the little plays, convert third downs and, you know, passing plays. And I, I was pretty impressed with him. Flipping to the tight ends, like I said, I didn't take a whole lot out of what they did yesterday. I think Trey McKitty's a very talented pass receiver. Uh, Tim Brewster earlier in the day talked about how they're going to have to kind of beat in his head on being a blocker. Like, he's willing and able. It's just a matter of learning the technique and doing it. Basically, it sounded kind of like what Maven Saunders was when he walked in the door, except for Trey has a lot better understanding of what he needs to do. Maven literally had to be taught what he had to do and then had to have it beat into his head. Um, And... Maven didn't do much yesterday. He actually got kicked off the primary field to the second field at one point because I think he ticked off uh, the head coach. 
but we're not every practice at every practice. But something tells me that that's not a uh, rare yeah, yeah that, that's for Maven. Ma- Maven's kind of the guy. Tim Brewster described him as a mold of clay that he's molding, and I think that's very true on Maven. Maven has made a great deal of leaps in the last twelve months as a player. He still has a great deal to go. But can he be a big contributor? Yes, he's a vertical passing threat who's a big body who's also now a capable blocker, which he was not 12 months ago. Mm-hmm. So I think he's kind of the interesting one. Well, Ryan Izzo is obviously steady Eddie, and you know if you target Ryan Izzo, he's going to be productive, and he's a huge piece of the running game and the blocking game too. Uh, there was one play yesterday with Trey McKady where he um, was on a post pattern. So it was yeah, downfield in the middle, and he the made way it, he turned. Yeah, and he, and he caught the ball, and they were happy with it. But you know, Jimbo, you could tell by the way he responded. He went in to tell me how the way he turned and, and how to fix it. They have high hopes for for him. They like him. Uh, they have patience with with what he's doing. But man, he's a guy like if if you know things go wrong with the wide receiver depth gets them out. Like I don't think it's out of the. Yeah, I don't think it's unrealistic to expect him to maybe see some snaps at some point later on this season. Yeah. Like he's raw, but I don't think he. I think he has the tools of a guy that could help maybe sooner than later at a, at a small capacity. And to expand on what Jimbo was telling him, I think he turned inside, if I remember, to go between the um, hash marks. Yeah, he wanted to. And turn I think Jimbo wanted him to out. turn to work towards the sideline. I think the point there is on that particular play. It's basically two verticals with the outside receivers and everything else works in the middle. So if you turn outside, if your outside receiver blocks, mm-hmm. you've got to beat a safety, maybe an outside backer who you probably already have beat if you caught the ball. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have a lot of room to run. If you run the other way, more defense can kind of swarm on you. So I think that it's it's a small little nanosecond of practice where you watch, but it's a you know it's the explanation between taking a seven-yard pass and turning it into an eight, nine-yard mm-hmm. gain and a seven-yard pass and possibly house in it. I just thought that was interesting. It, 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 I'll admit I enjoy watching Jimbo Fisher coach yeah. offensive players. While he'll get ballistic at times and yell and be angry, there's a purpose to a lot of things you watch him say. And he a lot sees of things he so much at one time. Yes. I think that, and that's anyone like when any time I've done a feature on Jimbo or anything, anyone who's been around him from even a young age, like he sees the field in yeah. a way that's that's just almost kind of like a. Like a savant, kind of. like yeah. he, he sees things in such a clear manner. He, he's a teacher. Yeah. His, his methodology might be a little weird. And, you know, if you walk in, that's the first time you ever see him. You might think, my God, I don't know how kids can play that. No, it makes sense. It, Pressure it cooker, works. man. Yeah. That's that's what it's all and about. He, he spoke about that with DeAndre last mm-hmm. year at ACC kickoff, where he wants practice to be the toughest moments these kids encounter in a football atmosphere. Mm-hmm. He wants the games to be easy because Jimbo has been hard on him in practice. Mm-hmm. And it's true. He, he does practice what he preaches in that regard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was interesting just listening to uh, to Dossie and Sanders yesterday. They are very high on this group of receivers. Mm-hmm. They realize that depth is thin. I think you know, it took Dossie to admit what, what Jimbo maybe wasn't willing to, that this is a thin group, especially with Devontae now being in, in limbo with the indefinite suspension. You know, this is, this is a group with two proven commodities and a lot of question marks, but you have to love the talent of the question marks you know, George Campbell, if he stays healthy, could be that deep guy that, that extends the field and, and you know, brings that vertical passing game back that Florida State hasn't had of late. Um, I, I've been bullish on Gavin, I think, maybe more than you guys, but beside the injuries, if he can stay healthy, he just seems to constantly make plays mm-hmm. against, again, a, a smaller guy like Levante, but Let's basically call Levante what he is. He's he's going to be a starter on this team, whether he's the the star or the corner. Mm-hmm. And Gavin's doing it against a guy who is going to be a starter and going to be a, a pretty good corner. Mm-hmm. So I think we're looking at a really talented group. It's just 
kind of at this point, okay, are the wild cards going to become known commodities, mm-hmm. and and which one is it going to be? Yeah, and and to your point on on Gavin, you're right. You have been bullish on him. Um, I, I think speaking for myself, I've been cautiously optimistic. I think Chris has been in the same boat. And when we had the podcast with uh, Wayne McGahee last week, we were talking about Gavin. And you know, for me, the thing I kind of look at is history and say, okay, you know, what what have we seen so far? And, and at least right now, like no catches on about you know six to eight targets and just a lot of nagging injuries. Uh, not his fault, but you know those are that you know shoulder shoulder injury senior in high school, turf toe last season, uh, hamstring injury after the you know at the end of the Orange Bowl, and then an ankle injury in the spring. You know, so he, he's had he's had his issues. I will say this though, like yesterday, I came away super impressed. Perhaps you know one of the three or four best performances I saw the day was just man he. He moved so well for a guy that's 6'3", 220. I mean, whether it was Tavares McFadden he was going against, he can get quicker and go inside. He took Levante Taylor deep because he's bigger and more physical. Like, he's a guy that, I think Chris said it well, he's the X factor for them with that offense, at least in the receiving game, because they need that third guy to step up, and I think all signs point to him. He's a guy Jimbo was super high on when he came in. They thought he was maybe the best wide receiver in the country. Uh, they were happy that, that Alabama didn't poach him away from, from him, and, and you can kind of – Kind of see why. Well, one other thing, let me ask you guys: Did you hear Nooney get yelled at once yesterday? No, and <laughs> you know, and Jacquez Patrick told me yesterday he has not gotten yelled at nearly as much as yeah. I think yeah. maybe optimistically, like the light bulb is kind of clicked for him. Yeah, it was forced maturity. Well, yeah, right? was, yeah. That, that's plain and simple way of putting it. Nooney was an immature kid when he came in. Awesome football player. But fun-loving kid who loved to have a little too much fun. He's a typical and, wide receiver, quote-unquote yeah. diva. Like no, he's not going to shut the hell up. He's he's going to let you know. No, I he's going to have he, some instances where he's not happy, and that's he's that's the fun. offensive version of Derwin James. He's going to let you know what he's yeah. doing on that football field. But you know, if he's making right plays, Jimbo's going to let him squawk all day. Mm-hmm. Whatever he wants to say, he can do. It's a matter of doing it right and doing mm-hmm. it consistently. And last year, the thing with Nooney was. Man, he would flash. Every time we watched him in a practice, we would come away and be like, that kid can play ball. It was he, last year at the at the open practice, yeah, I think, that we were on our own. Like, oh, my God. Yeah. But it was also clear last year that there were days where Nooney and the coaching staff did not like one another, mm-hmm. and they did not agree on things, and they did not like the approach of one another. And I think now they're very much on the same page, and mm-hmm. that's Nooney coming around the bend. It's not the coaching staff changing because no, they don't change. No, and, and – We'll see. I mean, this is we're six practices in to, to the summer, and it, but it, Dossie talked about, Patrick talked about, Nitty yeah. himself talked about how you know they basically told me grow up. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't think it's a flash in the pan. I think it's a matter of kids realized it. Some kid, some kids the light turns on, some kids the light never turns on, and mm-hmm. yeah, they go bye bye. Yeah, I, I think we, we've seen him kind of turn a corner. That doesn't mean it's going to be perfect every single day, but yeah. I think that means the consistency which they're looking for. I think is starting to get there. Jimbo seems optimistic about the wide receivers like I don't I mean normally at this point in the preseason he takes a dump at them at some point or another well, and that hasn't happened yet talent wise it's the most talented group they've had in several years mm-hmm. I mean you got big big bodies who are athletic yeah. who can go get it you've got guys who are very difficult to defend and then you got the explosive inside guys I mean we didn't even talk about DJ Matthews because he's been out with a hamstring issue he looks when he's running but, a route and man, stuff he looks DJ is magnificent yep. DJ is one of the most I don't care that he weighs like 145 pounds soaking wet He's a magnificent football player who, when he gets a ball in his hand, can make things happen. He he would dominate high school games. I understand it's high school, but he played some real good defensive competition in his years, both mm-hmm. at First Coast and Trinity, and he would just flat-out dominate, make people look silly. His ability to cut in the open field, explode, speed, overall top-end speed, he's awesome. I mean, he, mm-hmm. he, 
he might not make a lot of plays, but he's going to make a play this year that we all remember if he yeah. plays. No, I mean, I, that, that's plain and simple truth with that kid. That's clear why his his feet move at a different speed than yeah. everyone else's when you watch him. It's different. Uh, Dossie compared him to, to kind of like Kenny Shaw, but I think obviously I think there's more. I forget who said it to me, and it probably was truthfully four years ago now at First Coast when he was a freshman, but they said the reason DJ plays the way he does is he doesn't want to get hit by people. And he'll take a hit. He'll, yeah. he'll suffer a hit. But he truthfully, because he is kind of scrawny-ish mm-hmm. size-wise, he doesn't want to get blown up, so he's going to evade, and he's awesome at it. As far as motivating factors go on the football field, not wanting to get <laughs> knocked out is a, a fairly decent one. Uh, all right, guys, offensive line. Chris, I'll let you kind of handle the offensive line because I think that's kind of something that, one, you've been harping about this offseason. You paid extra close attention to it yesterday. Yeah, I walked into the preseason thinking Josh Ball would be the left tackle. That's not the case at this point. It's Rick Leonard. I thought Rick looked okay yesterday. There was the instance we brought up earlier where Brian Burns just beat him silly off the edge. He's Brian, gonna, he's Brian Burns be, is going to do that. Yeah, he's going to be a lot of people silly off the edge this year. Overall, I thought Rick had a good day. I didn't think he was bad and he was really good. I just thought he was sound. Mm-hmm. I thought he understood what he was supposed to be doing there. I feel like the interiors of strength, especially in the running game, especially with the two big hosses at Those, guard, the Minshew with Dickerson and, Dickerson, and yeah. Minshew. Yeah. Everly looked fine yesterday. Uh, DeMarcus Christmas was really good on the defensive line, so he gave the interior guys some issues, but it wasn't solely an Everly thing, or mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't specifically one guy. He just kept whooping. It was kind of he and that may be a DeMarcus day. Christmas light. Yeah. We'll get to and that. we'll get to that yeah. about how good the D line is. And then at right tackle, Derek Kelly really looks good. I like and him. Derek yeah. Kelly's a guy that the staff has always liked, and he had a really bad injury, and he did not recover very well from the injury mm-hmm. last year. And last year was basically a loss year for him. He didn't really impact the game at all. He didn't look good in practice. He didn't look healthy. He looked kind of dumpy, kind of slow. The fact he, he played against Ole Miss was yeah. crazy that they put him in there. I, mean, I felt bad for him. Like, he, he just he, didn't belong he looks on the football more athletic. field. He, yeah. He's sliding better horizontally or laterally. He, he's just more active. He looks comfortable playing the game. He looks like a guy who, he, if he has to be the starting right tackle, he's ready to handle it. Mm-hmm. That group as a whole, I didn't walk away from yesterday thinking, man, they're really good, or man, they're really bad. I walked away thinking, they're decent. They can protect, and they're facing a really good D-line consistently in practices. they got to get better. they got to kind of figure out what their go-to is, which I think it's going to be running the ball. I think they're still going to be a pretty good push forward running the ball offensive yeah. line like they were last year. But, uh, you know, I think there's some promise there. I mean, obviously, we're going to know what the heck they are after Alabama. Alabama's going to challenge them with the defensive line they face. But they faced a really good defensive line in FSU yesterday. I thought they looked fairly decent. Yeah, I that was my initial. Was was listen at this time of year the the defensive line the defense in general is always going to be ahead yeah. of the oh, that's that, just how that it works. was certainly the case yesterday. yeah they, they, and it should be if your offense is whooping up on your defense in the first week then that's going to be a problem all year so that that was fine I think the fact that the defense or the offensive line didn't get completely dominated was a good sign for them I don't think they looked like there was a you know glaring you know, weakness on that on that front five. I think that was encouraging, and I agree with Kelly. I thought he was really solid there. I thought from left to right, man, like I thought they looked like they were going to be okay. Yeah. Like you said, Alabama, and then, then two weeks later you got Miami, and then you got NC State. It's very possible that this offensive line doesn't look great early in the year and then turns out to, to be okay. Yeah, and I, I I felt like, even with the second team, I felt like Josh Ball looked effective. I felt like Babion looked comfortable mm-hmm. enough at center. Baselli works on that guard and looked fine yeah. there. But the only alignment I walked out of yesterday thinking, man, that kid can't contribute to this team is Abdul Bello. I mean, Abdul Bello currently is not a guy who I think is capable. He's not ready at yeah. any capacity. Yeah, he just he's slow at getting out of his stance. He got beat around the edge. He can't physically dominate we people. Saw there, that there's in, nothing in the about his game too. right now where you go, 
he, he could give you meaningful snaps. There's a lot of guys that I feel like. David Robbins is a guy who I feel like if he had to play, mm-hmm. he wouldn't be great, but he'd be good enough. They could get by with him. I, I didn't walk away thinking that's a national championship O-line, but I walked away thinking that O-line isn't a reason they can't win a national championship. You feel better about the depth now. Yeah. A lot of these freshmen have become sophomores or they're second-year guys in the system. You feel like an injury maybe to a starter isn't as big of a – I mean, yes, it's a difficulty to overcome from a chemistry and continuity standpoint, but you can plug somebody in and maybe with three or four practices get him used to, you know, knowing how the guy next to me is lining up and what the responsibilities are. Totally agree with you all, Derek Kelly. I'd like to have my comment on, on Brock Rubel being the projected starter for Alabama back. I think after what I saw Sunday, I'd, I'd probably plug Derek Kelly in there. He looked much better. Um you know, the other thing is, we were talking about this a little bit before we started the podcast, but, you know, Landon Dickerson, he didn't mean it in a bulletin board way, but he, he did kind of say the question was asked, you know, difficulty of preparing for Alabama's defensive front. And Landon basically said he, he felt like Florida State's defensive front was better and that he gets good preparation and practice, you know, every day and that they have had, had their battles and they've improved because of it. So he wasn't he wasn't really knocking Alabama. I'm sure maybe somebody will take it that way. But, you know, I think we're seeing an offensive line that's growing in confidence, and they're seeing, you know, they're going up against a top-five defensive line every single day. It's going to get them better. They're going to have issues against Alabama. We can all readily admit that and know what's coming. But I think I feel mildly more confident overall in this group mm-hmm. um, from a depth standpoint. You know, again, optimism comes from – I think this is a group that is going to run block really, really well. I think from a pass protection standpoint, we still have major concerns left to right. Um, I think even Rick Trickett will tell you he's got some concerns. But um, he, he did say yesterday he felt like you know Rick Leonard was the best choice of what they had at left tackle. Um, you know We all thought it was going to be Josh Ball, but they're going with Rick Leonard, and it's kind of a roll of the dice. But um, this is going to be the story of the year. This is going to be – this team is probably going to go as far as the offensive line yeah. can can take them. And one thing to add on that, I think last year when certain guys failed on the O-line, mm-hmm. you felt like the next option was, oh, God, like yeah. this is not good. I feel like if Leonard does end up struggling at left tackle, falling a ball, I don't feel like it's a massive drop-off. Like I feel like ball is a guy who maybe hasn't seen the lights and played the big games yet. And there's something about that that will turn on with an O-lineman. But I think Ball would be a capable guy if need be. And Rubel, even at right, as a backup, is a more than capable player. And then Bavion at center. I feel like when you're looking at the top 10 O-lineman they have, it's a much better top 10 than it was 12 months ago. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that starting five has a nice continuity and kind of knows what they're doing together. It, yesterday they looked like five fingers in a glove. There wasn't a whole lot of false movement. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a whole lot of one guy going this way, the other guy going that way when they're supposed to go in the opposite ways. They didn't look like they were bum-fuzzled. Mm-hmm. And, um, <laughs> and I think that's a good thing for them. But I don't know what bump fuzzled means. Um, it sounds dirty though. Uh, I think the I think the line is it fair to say? I mean, last year run blocking I thought was really really good. Pass blocking was really really bad. I think it's going to be kind of similar this year, but maybe just the extremes. You know, I think I don't think it's going to be as bad a pass blocking. I'm not sure the run blocking is going to be quite as dominant. Dalvin Cook was kind of the eraser where he made a lot of you know he he led the country in in missed tackles uh, force. But I think they're going to be a more balanced and consistent line, if that makes sense. Yeah. And the thing that helps pass blocking is being really good at running the ball. Yeah. You know, teams suddenly kind of change up the way they approach you. And last year, teams just were going to stack FSU because they knew Delvin was a dude. 
this year, I think you can kind of throw a lot of different curveballs at him. And, you know, Delvin was a good receiver out of backfield, and I think good is the best way of saying that. I wouldn't call him elite. I wouldn't call him bad. He, you know, he was a threat. He could make some huge plays out there, but he also would drop some balls. Yeah, he did I have think, like 500 receiving yards right, last yeah. year. But, yeah, he wasn't – that wasn't his bread and butter. I, but I think a guy like Amir Razul, if, if you go split backs with Amir Razul and Laybourne mm-hmm. and you go play action – you can do some things to people. You got two guys who can certainly catch it out of backfield or run it out of backfield. Or if you're in a two tight end set, you can do things. We talked about it earlier. There's a lot of ability for this team to throw a lot of different looks at teams and to throw kind of X factors and difficult things. And I think that those kind of things can take some of the pressure off an O line. When an O line literally has to navigate the game, like last year, mm-hmm. where it was very much we got to run the ball. And we're going to go vertical with the passing game with DeAndre, so you got to protect for a lengthy period of time a lot of times. That's difficult. I think this team can do a lot of different things, which can keep teams off balance, which doesn't allow D-lines to just kind of tee off on an O-line that struggles at times. They can really bump-fuzzle a, a defensive it, it, other. <laughs> it means to confuse, essentially. I think you need to expand your vocabulary. <laughs> yeah, someone on our podcast reviews, I don't think you saw it, Chris, called us a bunch of uh, – what was it? Inarticulate millennials who swear too much. So uh, I'm, trying, I'm trying to make this more family friendly for the car ride. And and that was also probably the best point anyone has made on the on the podcast. And I ruined it by making fun of bumfuzzled. But that was. I mean, you're right. The 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 way the offense has a lot of upside to to fit well with what they do, like to complement. Like though, I don't think last year the the offensive line kind of was necessarily complemented by the way you know they wanted to pass the ball. I don't think it worked to strengths this year. I think it has that upside. Um, all right, let's go to defensive line, and, and that's what we've kind of alluded to throughout the podcast is that's the best group that we, I think, on, on the roster. When we did the position reviews, uh, or sorry, previews last week, uh, I think you know, 9, 10, and 10 were our, were our confidence ratings in that defensive tackles, yeah. and the edge rushers were high. Uh, what we saw on Sunday just kind of reaffirmed what we thought, is that yeah. they are deep, they are freakishly athletic from defensive ends to defensive tackle. Yeah, Demarcus Christmas looked the part yesterday. Yeah, he, if, that, if that things have he, clicked for him, then then that's a game changer. Yeah, him too. him beside yeah. Naughty is a scary scary combo, and then you got a lot of you got two three guys after that that you certainly can rely upon on maybe the even, maybe even more. You got Fred yeah. Jones and Amy, who you yeah, know, no doubters, and then, and then Marvin, Darvin, Marvin and Darvin, yeah. and then said Wood too. Yeah, so man, seven deep, Odell would be just loving it. He loves, Odell, Odell, Odell was, loves a good rotation. Odell man. was uh, feeling himself a little. He yeah. was he was feeling pretty good about leg, uh, leg spread out, arm behind the head, <laughs> uh, post coital. I've done this for twenty one years. Cigarette, it's going pretty well right now. Just just loving life. Yeah, um, they, they look they look good yesterday. The end group Burns is. I, I feel pretty good about my preseason prediction of all ACC for Brian Burns. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's gonna attack that sack record. He talked about that some yesterday, about that is a goal. You know, the overall sack record at FSU, the individual season sack record. Last year he tried to go for the rookie record when he finished with nine and a half. Only. Um, yeah, and he only played so many snaps, too. We were talking about that. He talked yesterday about needing to become a better guy against the run so he can stay on the field. That's true. And, and that's what I think they expect him to be this year. Burns is a guy that I clearly feel like he is determined like, mm-hmm. when he puts his mind to wanting to be something, do something, he goes after and he does it. It's not when he's, like, he's he's only so, he's not pigeonholed. He's only so good at certain things he can only do that. Now he can do what he want, puts his mind to. Um, I thought Wilkerson looked okay yesterday as a guy that's become the player he needs to be for them. We didn't see a whole lot of Josh Sweat. He didn't do team. He did the early portion. He's certainly going to play some strong side. There's no they doubt about love- that. Josh, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sweat can do a lot of different things. He can set the edge. He can rush the pass, or he's just there's like a four foot snake just coming 
right up to the window here. Um, stay focused. Sorry. Man. Stay focused. Um, and, you know, Kando, he didn't do a ton in that practice yesterday, but, man, listen to Brad Lawing talk about it. He gushed, him. yeah. It, Brad's not a guy that just heaps on praise for the heck of heaping on praise. He loves him some Josh Kando. He the, thinks that kid can be as good as he wants to be. He said, and he hates comparing players to other players, he said he's a faster version when he grows into his full size of Demarcus Walker with what he can do, the array of his skill set, the ability to do inside-outside work and to rush a passer and, and run plays and just control the defensive line. He he certainly thinks Kando has complete superstar potential. His and, answer on Kando was like six yeah, or seven paragraphs. Yeah. It was I a mean, couple hundred words. Brad's long. a bit long-winded, but he could yeah. not stop talking about Josh. Even Kando. for him. It was yeah, pretty it was, impressive. Yeah. And then Janarius is looking like a guy that's starting to – he, I think he could contribute a, a, earlier yeah. or later. He, he's a guy you can put in the rotation and just not completely be overwhelmed. Yeah, very athletic kid who I don't think really knew an ounce of technique when he walked through the door last year. I think there was a lot of learning for him last year in practice. I think watching DeMarcus and other guys go through it has helped him a great deal. And mm-hmm. It's happening. I mean, it's not. he's not a guy that I'm going to label like a breakout candidate this year, but I think he contributes. I think he learns a great deal, and I think his time's coming. And he, I think being redshirted, Last year was humbling, and I think that's a good thing. Not that he was an egomaniac or anything, but as a guy who had no uh, kid wants to retro. Every kid yeah. walks in thinking they're three and out. Yep, I mean exactly. it, it's tough. And Janarius was a major recruit, Bama, FSU, Florida. All those types wanted him. There's a reason for it. His potential is unbelievable, but mm-hmm. he needed a retro. Mm-hmm. The only reason he should have played last year was out of complete necessity. You know, he had no reason to play. You don't burn a redshirt on a kid like that who does need to learn the position ins and outs, and he did. And he, he, to me, has matured both physically and mentally, and physically he looks great. Mentally, with technique and approach, he's, he's getting there. It's, it's a fun group. I mean, we, we keep saying ridiculously talented position group, and it almost feels like an understatement sometimes to talk about the ends and the tackles in that way because it's, it's some, somehow beyond ridiculously talented. I, I asked Odell briefly about, uh, about Naughty because there was a – Good quote from Jimbo at, at ACC kickoff. I think in the story you did, Brennan, when you say he's just starting to figure out how good he is, and yeah. and that's the kind of thing you want to hear about a junior who decides he's he's not going to go to the NFL. He's not quite ready yet. He thinks he can, you know, he wants to enjoy being a senior in college. He wants to try and win an ACC title and see what happens after that. And you know, I asked you know Odell a little bit about that too, and he's like, yeah, you know, he's seeing uh, Naughty becoming more a student of the game. Mm-hmm. He, he enjoys. You know, watching film and, and understanding what the offensive linemen are trying to do, understanding the big picture, um, and with Christmas, he just says he's he's ready for him to be dominant. Um, he just he he sees Demarcus ready to take that next step in his development, and you know that's that's fun to hear when you think that that a guy is ready to maybe have a naughty like type of season, and I, I just I'll be really interested to see how offensive lines decide to double team because mm-hmm. you're going to have to double team Naughty. You're going to have to figure out how to match up against Sweat and Burns. And then that's going to leave Christmas one-on-one, which which you wouldn't normally think makes any sense at all. But you just don't have the numbers to block, to double team all these guys. So, you know, I think Christmas could be the guy who, you know, you'll, you'll see is going to have a, a big jump. Mm-hmm. This year. Mm-hmm. Chris, Christmas is like kind of like what Marvin Wilson is in the sense where he's a guy that walks through the door and you know he's supposed to be pretty good. Like you look yeah. at him and know it. And 
We've seen flashes of it, but he hasn't consistently done it. But I think he has an Eddie Goldman ceiling to him where he can be ultra-impactful, mm-hmm. major NFL traffic. Derek Naughty's a super-talented, hard-working kid who has a lot of things working for him. But Christmas is more physically blessed. Yeah. And I think yesterday was a pretty impressive flash of him. It was pretty consistent yesterday, mm-hmm. and that's the difference between what we've seen in the past one and what we saw yesterday. And that, that's maybe the upside. Remember, I think it was on yeah, it was on National Signing Day, and Jimbo had his press conference, and he remember gushing over Christmas. I mean, he does with everyone because it's right. a coach on signing day. But what he said was, if this kid had gone to more camps and done the circuit more, he would have been the number one or number you know number one defensive tackle in the country instead of you know a. a top 10 kind of guy. He's physically special and capable of being a completely dominating force mm-hmm. in the interior. Yeah. And yeah, he, so he looked apart. He was, he was overwhelming and, and difficult for the line to the offensive line to block at times. So we talked about the depth. I mean, they're, they're deep inside. Uh, be interesting. One thing Jacob Pugh, we talked to yesterday, I remember asking him you know, what he preferred because he can do so much and we'll get to linebackers in a second here. But uh, it was interesting. What he said to me was, uh, he said, I, well, I asked if he like playing in space, you know, going against the run, you know, being an edge rusher. He's like, I can still rush the quarterbacks. I wonder if like he's a guy that they're pivoting more to be a full time linebacker uh, because they feel so good about Brian Burns and they feel good about Josh Sweat and they feel yeah, good and about Jalen Wilkerson and what they have there it, depth wise. It seems like consistently, you know, I guess we'll just transition right into linebackers. It seems consistently they keep referring to him as a Sam this year, and in the past it's been more Buck. Yeah. And while he'll do things that a buck does, it's pretty clear that he's sort of the moment rover mm-hmm. of that linebacker spot. If we need pressuring the quarterback, he can go do that. If we need to play somebody at the mid-level, he can go do that. Mm-hmm. If he needs to plug a hole, he can go do that. And everybody's raving about Pew. Mm-hmm. I mean, players – it was funny. I was watching, a, I guess it was Saturday's practice, and Mickey Andrews, the great Mickey Andrews, was out there. And we were watching. There was a play where – Leonard Warner and Pugh were going against each other in position work, and Pugh went a million miles per hour acting as a running back mm-hmm. on a play where Warner's supposed to engage the running back. And Mickey turned to me and goes, when a guy plays like that hard and it's not his position, like he's not demonstrating his position, mm-hmm. you know he's going to be great. Huh. And I, I just kind of was like, yeah, and we got into talking about when he was at Jefferson County as a kid, really athletic, and how he's developed into a really good football player. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing with Pew. I think the light has completely come on for Pew. I talked to Bill Miller yesterday, and he just said that he's been outstanding, that mm-hmm. he was very good in the spring and it's carried completely over in the offseason. Mm-hmm. And at some point in last season, he decided, I need to go be a great football player, and he's going to be it. And, you know, I think him with Hoskins and Thomas, that's an incredible amount of veteran group, a, a lot of talent. I think Matthew Thomas, obviously, I'm fully on board. I'm thinking he's yeah. going to have a monster year. I think Hoskins is for, completely capable. And the other thing Bill Miller brought up, is they're deeper at that position than they've ever been uh, in his time here in the four or five years now with him. Yeah, 2012 is the last time they had this yeah. type of and depth that, and that athleticism. Matters, that yeah. helps for competition, pushing guys. And he's like, if somebody falls off, there's somebody there to take the spot. Mm-hmm. And I think you see that right now with them. I mean, Leonard Warner, Donis Thomas are both pretty good-looking physical kids who mm-hmm. I think will be big special teams contributors. And if you have an injury or something, can play there. But that linebacker spot are those three guys are Hoskins, Thomas, and Pugh, mm-hmm. and they're really, really good. And then behind them, you got you know Jackson, Rice, and Brown, also a very good young unit that's going to step right in and replace those guys in the future. But uh, it's a pretty good group. I mean, the defense as a whole is pretty impressive. Yeah, like I, 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 I sat there yesterday, leaving, thinking about on the drive home. I don't think there's a spot on defense where I go. That's a weakness. Maybe I will save it for that. I got one for the next one. Is, is maybe have take but, all but, the linebacker. But, but the for linebacker, you made so one on Pew. Like 
You talk about Bill Miller. Uh, you talk about the team. Like Jimbo Fisher has been talking about him, raving about him since the, since the spring, and he hasn't stopped. I think that that's telling is he's not backing off one iota like on, yeah. on how he feels about Pew. And there was some point, two things happened last year. I feel like when the defense turned around, outside of of playing against lesser, like not going against this just murder's row of quarterbacks and spread offenses. Pew started playing that that Sam linebacker role more, and they were going against you know teams even against Clemson. He did it like he was in that that spot. He can go and guard a wide receiver you know in the zone in the flat there. Um, so he kind of came on late last year. I thought that was a huge part of the defense. And Chris, you alluded to the depth at linebacker. I don't think it's a coincidence that Matthew Thomas and Roderick Hoskins started kind of coming on a little bit when Dontavis Jackson started pushing them. I yeah. think that was a direct correlation. All of a sudden, there was a rookie there that was taking their snaps and looking damn good when he was on the field. And those guys turn it around. Again, it correlates to with a lesser group of offenses, but it all kind of was this perfect storm for a turnaround. And once that group got right, I feel like the rest of the defense kind of fell into place because you knew what the front was. They also simplified things. Oh, the, for the back end of the set, yeah, for sure. They simplified it for everyone. Um, but there's just a lot of things that kind of happened that went into it, and I feel like so much of it revolved around the linebackers because that group, frankly, man, it hasn't been really good since 2013. Like it, It's been a weakness for that defense for a couple years now. Yeah, it was kind of the thing if teams wanted if – you, if you were doing a good job shutting down the vertical and the outside passing game and you were doing a good job at the line of scrimmage of kind of squashing up the running game, well, we're just going to run hard slants. Right passes inside, right five, at, yeah. five to seven yards, yep. we're going to pound you inside. Yep. And it was picking on the backers. Yep. And I think FSU's scheme to some degree allows that because teams aren't going to dink and dunk you and beat you most times mm-hmm. against FSU. You can score enough points, make enough plays where you're not going to do it. But it reached a point where every time a team needed a third and eight, they could go for that seven-yard slant mm-hmm. and probably convert it. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. Bob, what were your thoughts generally on, on the linebackers? Are there any younger guys that stood out or anything like that to you, Matt? They look good. They look really good. And mm-hmm. you know, to, to what you guys were saying – it's been a long time since we can say linebacker as a position is not a concern. Mm-hmm. Linebacker depth is not a concern. It's always been a concern, I feel like, for three, four years with the injuries. I mean, it was always Terrence Smith's knee and then, you know, Reggie Northrup had to have knee surgery coming off the bowl game. This is a group where you just don't have as many concerns. It's been a, a pretty big reversal from a year ago when we kind of looked at this group and said, you know, what do they have? You know, there, there aren't proven commodities besides Hoskins. And that was kind of in a, a limited, he did okay kind of kind of role. He was with Dontavious Jackson was last year. He was kind of that third rotation. Right. Yeah. So now you, you think you have a a star in the making, a guy who's who's living up to that five-star, you know, resume and Matthew Thomas and you know, Dontavious is going to push guys. You know, Warner has been praised, I think, pretty consistently mm-hmm. so far. It's, it's going to be interesting to see what his role is. Um, I mean, for years we've been talking about how this is the weak link of the defense, and in some respects, it's it's up there with the offensive line as as the big question marks. And and now I, I just I think we've gone kind of through the whole off season, maybe not quite concerned at all. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the, listen, no knock on Nick Patty last year. You never see a guy like that. At least yeah. uh, that that never happens again. At least for the foreseeable future, at that position. Yeah, a lot would have to go bad with injuries. Yeah. You'd have they, to have they a handful the, of guys out, basically. They had the uh, Jamari Mathis kid. I thought looked uh, looked the part as far as like a special team guy. He's a graduate transfer from UCF. He played high school ball in Thomasville. Uh, really wanted to be recruited by FSU in college. Was like a three star guy. Yeah, I think he was committed to Ole Miss one point, and then he had a knee injury and was never quite the same. Uh, and didn't really do a lot while at UCF, but you know I think that if that's your if that's your floor, if that's the worst case scenario. It's like that guy has to take a rep. Like 
you're in a far better position. And he never will take a meaningful linebacker up. He'll be a good specialist. But yeah. And he helps in practice. Yep. Thing, a lot of times people forget that, you know, those guys that are 70 to 90 on your roster, including some walk-ons, mm-hmm. they're huge for practice. Yeah. I mean, like Malik Jackson going to offense, he's not going to play receiver in a game. Unless Probably they reach not. that point where yeah. they're, you know, out of bodies. But it helps in practice. It allows more reps and things like that. So it's pretty important to have depth. And mm-hmm. Bill Bill spoke quite a bit yesterday during the portion we got him about Bill Miller, mm-hmm. about linebacker depth being really good. You were smitten with Bill Miller yesterday, huh? I, I sat down with him. I was one-on-one with him for a good five minutes. And, I mean, it was it was a good conversation. He spoke a lot about Pew. He spoke a lot about the youngins. And he spoke in general about the depth of the position he really likes. And he talked about Matthew Thomas and confidence and I'm going to write a story on it, but basically Matt Thomas is a guy who kind of plays with his heart on his sleeve. And mm-hmm. last year he lost his confidence. He admitted as much after the UNC game to us in the postgame mm-hmm. that it was a confidence issue for himself and the defense. And I think Matt's a fairly confident dude right now, and a lot of that is a credit to the support system of him, which is largely Bill Miller and Jimbo Fisher and mm-hmm. some others within the program. I mean, Matt, Matt's had a rough go of it. You know That's been well documented, but I think that he's primed to be the player he was recruited to be. You know, I think a lot of us thought that would happen three or four years ago, but better late than never. Did you ask Bill Miller if he if he reads our message board? <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think Bill's because you're so the, mean to him. I don't think Bill is pulling out the smartphone and sliding <laughs> up and down on Moss two four seven. Just saying. Fair enough. All right. Do we but, think he has a smartphone? Or probably. Do we think he's yeah. Got the, does he know yeah. how to use the smartphone? I think he does. Okay. <laughs> Everyone that's coaching football is smarter than a lot of people give him credit for. Like, and at some uh, point. <laughs> You gotta catch up on technology if you're gonna keep being a coach. You're gonna somebody in that program is gonna teach you how to use the technology. If if he was just whipping out a BlackBerry, that'd been awesome. That'd oh god, been fantastic! <laughs> All right, so let's go to let's go to defensive backs here. Uh, and we we're talking about before with with maybe a my thought of what could be a wink link, and I, I don't think it's gonna be. But I'm. Do you guys have a guess of what position? I'm kind of skeptical. Star. Uh, yeah, it kind of goes with the star and the field. Like, I'm still not sure what pieces fit and where. Like, I think Levante Taylor is going to be fairly good at, at pretty good at, at field corner. Uh, but I'm not. I just I don't I don't know that that's a strength yet. But aren't you grading on a curve comparing it to the rest of that secondary? I mean, most of that secondary is such solidified pieces with Derwin, Tavares, McFadden. We know what Trey Marshall is there to yeah. do. We know what Nate Andrews is there to do. So aren't you kind of grading the other cornerback spot as, oh, it's a little weaker compared to the other ones? Well, no doubt the other ones are incredibly well, impressive. Well, I guess maybe this is a, just me getting burnt by the defensive backs last year and thinking that they were just going to be all world when, when it took them a while. And I think maybe but that's... is it talent of the player or the scheme? That was the issue last year. I would say it was a it scheme was, over the talent of the player. It was both. It wasn't... I mean, Marcus Lewis was playing out of position. I mean, I guess yeah, you could say that's yeah. scheme, but that's still... I and mean, A.J. Westbrook, when he got thrown in the fire, got picked on. Yeah. And the list goes on. There's plenty of examples of that. But, like, A.J. Westbrook, the coaches rave about his understanding and knowledge of the system. So, mm-hmm. I think I think there's something to that. I, I don't have any concerns with the secondary. I look at that group, and I see a boatload of talent, and I see some really talented youngsters. I mean, Stanford Samuels could start at most schools day one, mm-hmm. without a doubt. He, they like I, him a lot. He entirely <laughs> understands what a defensive back is supposed to do, and athletically, he's pretty special, too. But his mental makeup for a true freshman is outstanding. And then Hamsa, man, I, I love watching that kid play ball. He's not going to play a lot this year because he's at Derwin role. Mm-hmm. He's going to live in that Derwin role long term. But he's an athletic, special-bodied kid who wants to be a physical freak. He wants to hurt people, and it's really fun to watch. I mean, there were instances yesterday where he would play a ball while trying to drop a shoulder and hit somebody, and you could just tell Jimbo had kind of alluded to it the day prior that he, you put a blue jersey on him, he still just wants to take people out. 
So I, I, I think the secondary is really talented. Now I want to see it convey itself in games as success. Mm-hmm. But I think for me that's a scheme thing. It's not talent wise. I have no doubt the secondary is loaded. I want to see it convert itself into we're going to do what's being asked of us, understanding what we're supposed to do, and be able to shut down opponents and create opportunities, create turnovers. I mean, if they do pattern, I'm still not clear if they're going to do pattern matching this year or be more simplistic like they mm-hmm. were last year. They do pattern matching. It's about creating big plays, mm-hmm. turnovers, you know, things like that. If they do simplistic. It's about basically snuffing out yeah. opposing offenses. So I think they're completely capable of doing a- either with the talent they have. I think they actually did kind of go back to some of the pattern matching late last year once they kind of got their got their stuff together yeah, a little I think, bit. Once they I think pattern play. match is more Jimbo thing, while the simplistic snuff them out is but, more of a Kelly yeah. thing, personally. Once Kelly was – we don't know this for – once I feel like Kelly was able to kind of call his defense last year, I thought everything got better too. I think that was a big part. Once he was able to kind of go do more of his you know, heavy packages with four, you know, four three and three fours and whatnot – uh, but I'm not I'm not necessarily skeptical on you know what's going to happen at star field corner. I'm just not sold. I guess yeah. Who do you uh, think starts at fields? I think it, oh, I think field for sure is going to be Levante Taylor and as a start against Kyle Myers. I'm not sure. That's where I guess where I'm not sure where the pieces fit at that point. I don't know what they whether they we didn't see a whole lot of Kyle Myers yesterday. Saw so him in, in glimpses. We didn't see a ton of them. Um, I don't want. I just. I don't know what they're going to do there still, and I'm not sure whether maybe that's a good thing because they have versatility, or maybe it's a bad thing because no one's emerged. I guess that's. I'm just saying that's my only part in the defense where I'm causes you hesitation. where I just don't know what it is yet. What do you think, Bob? Bob, I would have had it flipped going in the year. I I really thought just because Kyle Myers is a little bit taller, has a little bit more length, I would have put him on the corner and and put you know Levante inside. But that might be Becker. And you know, I really want to see Becker. I think that's. I didn't see like we I saw that. We saw some of that yesterday. Yeah. Where when Taylor would come out, Becker would go in at that field spot. Yeah. And you know, Becker's athletically capable of playing corner and has pretty special size. Mm-hmm. But go ahead. No, I mean, it's it's like everything else. Talent for days. And if one guy isn't doing it, they'll just you know shift number two guy over there and figure it out. The other thing that that works so well into the secondary's hands is we just talked about how great the defensive line is going to be. How much time are these quarterbacks going to have? to get rid of the ball. They're just not. And honestly, Florida State's not going to play the kind of murderers row of quarterbacks that they played last year. I mean, it can't be anything anywhere anywhere. It's close. hard to fathom that that would happen. Again, the law would have to break right. They're going to play good quarterbacks. Not knocking anybody on the schedule. Jalen Hurts is, is a good quarterback, but they're not going to play Trubitsky and Watson. Number two and overall pick. Jackson. Heisman Trophy winner. I mean, <laughs> that's you've, you've seen the best that you're going to probably see mm-hmm. in I don't know. I, I do have questions. I'll agree with you. I do have questions about who fits where. Mm-hmm. I just feel like the pass rush kind of neutralizes the ability for the quarterback to have that extra moment to say, oh, I, I need to get the ball over there. He's not going to have that extra moment, I don't think, mm-hmm. to do what he wants. He's going to do what he has to before he gets socked to the ground. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, it all fits. Like we were talking about with the offense, it kind of all has to fit together. And, and I, I maybe that's the part that I'm – Quarterbacks were able to throw the ball yesterday when it would have been a sack sometimes. So mm-hmm. that I think maybe is something to kind of take in into account. Uh, yeah, there was one where Hawkman went vertical down the field, and he would have been dead for about two seconds before he threw that yeah, ball exactly. in the game because mm-hmm. the left tackle had a lot of release and 
the guy just ran behind Hoffman instead of slapping him on the butt. And even if it's not a sack pressure or whatever, yeah. a quarterback feels like he can you know cleanly step up. Yeah, when the bullet's really flying, the passing game looks a lot different. Yeah, that's that's true. Again, it's all kind of stuff when we only see one practice. It's hard to put so much into context because that's all we can see is that one, and it's just so much different than a game environment. Uh, real quick on Hamza, uh, I agree with Chris like wholeheartedly. Like he, outside of uh, Tamarian Terry. Figures like all the best like freshmen have names I can't pronounce. Marion Terry, Hampson, Nazaruldine, Nazaruldine. No, that yeah. works. We'll, we'll accept it. All right, um, but he was. Those two guys were the ones that you kind of looked at and said, "Oh, okay, yeah. like, that's that's a little different." I mean, I think we have Marvin Kando, Nilaborn. Um, we knew those guys like being the five star, like top of the line. You know, uh, we knew what they were going to be, but but that's the next tier of freaky looking athletes. And Hampson, man, a couple plays he made with his length where he was able to one like turn back and get an interception that was deflected like the fluidity for six four to turn like that and catch it and then another one where he deflected a pass over the middle of the field like I don't even know how he got his arms up to, to get it but he he's gonna be good if, if he puts it all together which I think he has yeah when, when the with. question becomes how do you replace Derwin James after this season from a role standpoint mm-hmm. the clear-cut answer to me is Hampson Nasser yeah I, I, he is recruited to play that role mm-hmm. the murder ball come down wreak havoc be physical in the secondary be able to cover he can do those things I was, I was thinking on the way over to you know driving over here to do the podcast was what, what's so cool about Hampson is like he could be three or four different things yeah. potentially I mean, I'm not saying he's going to be but he he's could, built like a linebacker who yeah. can play safety who can get away with being a nickel who mm-hmm. could also come off the edge It'll be interesting to see how his body develops because they can do a bunch of different things with him. They can either have the different role where he's doing a bunch of different things, or he, I don't know, maybe he, uh, maybe he just finds one role and does it really well. Whether it's like a rover center fielder type of deal, or he moves up to be more of a kind of all in the box know, safety. All you need to know about him is FSU loved him, and Will Muschamp and T. Rob, who know yeah. how to recruit DBs and defensive players, loved him, mm-hmm. and it really messed with their day when FSU got him. So I mean that. That's a pretty good stamp of approval on yeah. the kid. Yeah, and so far, like, we knew he'd be a physical freak. The fact that, that he's liking hit people, like you said, and Jimbo's alluded to, like, that's kind of the part to mm-hmm. me that's like, okay, there's there's something to this. Um, special teams for special teams. Sorry, Bob, I'm going to go in-depth on how the kickers and punters looked. We were, we're already running on an hour, an hour and change here. Um, we had a couple questions. I think we... Guys, I'm sorry. Like, I feel like we almost kind of went over <laughs> everything that you guys asked. I'm going to go through it real quick. Bear with me here as we go over it. Uh, here's a question from Semicole. Kind of going back to the wide receivers, DJ Matthews and Terry, uh, Tamir and Terry, combined over under eight catches for the season. So is there a true eight? fresh? Yeah, combined. I'd take, I'd take the over. Over, right? Yeah, I think you play, you know, Louisiana Monroe's type of game. You might be able to run them out there and get a couple catches, and then you spot duty them down the stretch in the game before Florida. Delaware State, yeah. Yeah, you probably can get them in there. And I think DJ's a guy that, like I said, I don't think he makes a ton of plays as a true freshman, mm-hmm. but I think he makes a couple we remember. We we were talking about this before the before the podcast is is plus they don't redshirt guys they they can't one and they can't redshirt I mean these guys are going to have to play yeah. in the rotation I'm not it's not saying they're going to get the targets going to them but they're going to have to be there's going to be a time where they're going to line up four or five wide receivers mm-hmm. and it may have to be a, a true freshman that's just yeah. kind of how it's going to work so you know, a pass can get deflected and someone can catch it and that's one out of eight <laughs> receptions yeah. right there you know what I mean so yeah I think do you agree over over under eight Bob. I'd be tempted to say that they could both go over eight. You know, just like, like you're saying, you know, there's, there's enough garbage games in the schedule. You want to rest a guy late in the game. I think, you know, it's barring weird. injuries, they're going to play. They have to play. You can't redshirt them. We'll see them being productive at some point in the year. 
All right. Uh, FSU Bone asked about, with Phillips out, does this open the door for James to actually get snaps at wide receiver? The Derwin James? No, he won't get snaps at wide receiver. I yeah, don't, I, don't maybe you see it once or twice on the whole year in some trick situation. That'd be but, pretty cool. But you don't – I mean, Jimbo's never hesitated to play players in different roles out of fear of injury, but it makes no sense to play James on offense. You've got enough talented offensive skill players. I mean, Jimbo yeah. hammered that point yesterday in the media day press conference that I love our offensive yeah. skill, so I don't think they're going to run Derwin over there. Derwin just wants to do that because – Derwin's the alpha dog of alpha dogs. Dude, when he was running wind sprints yesterday, I know it was only wind sprints, but he won every single one against the skill guys, and it wasn't even close. And he's probably the heaviest skill guy on the and team, It was too. the end of a 12-hour day. Yeah. I mean, he'd literally been going all day, probably signed more autographs than anybody, had done media day, had went through a hard practice where he worked his butt off. He leads constantly, and he finishes it like the best of the best. I mean, um, he, he's Derwin's a special dude. Like, I, I hope people truly – enjoy watching him like you need to take it like, a, enjoy every I, second you get to see the dude i'm not like a i didn't grow up like a hardcore fsu fan i've always appreciated florida state i hope for the sake of just enjoying college football that we get to see Derwin james healthy this entire yeah. season because that would be man, that would suck to only have one full season and not even a full season of yeah. that guy um here's a good question from some subpart f asking basically uh does uh does marvin wilson uh kind of make an emergence to be a, a backup like a number one backup over amy over fred jones I, I don't think i mean if it does happen man it won't happen until really late in the season yeah i mean so Mar- i like those backups that they have to be tackles marv's a little different than most guys at that spot because of just this massive size yeah, so you if you're playing a team there. where you want to truly plug it up in the middle yeah he'll probably play more than some of the others but i don't think that odell's in a rush to force him into fire i think odell thinks the world of the kid I guess I'd compare it kind of to Marcus Christmas early in his career. You're mm-hmm. going to see him once in a while, and it's going to flash, but it's not yet his time. His time will come in the next couple of years, without a doubt. And freshman defensive tackles haven't historically gotten a lot of playing time. I mean, they've had some depth at that position of late. Timmy Jernigan played a lot, but that was a really different group in 2011. You know, Eddie Goldman didn't see a lot of snaps his first year. Um, so I, I really don't think Marvin plays a lot. But we could see a situation where late in the year, the light turns on, you know, they need to give some guys some rest. He gets some some garbage time. Yeah, and Syracuse, Delaware State type Somebody's going to get hurt at time. defensive tackle. You, yeah. you, your yeah. body bangs too much. Too many people rolling on legs, shoulders getting yanked. I mean, people get hurt. So the opportunity for him to play will probably present itself. I just don't think he's, you know, first three, four games of the year if they're healthy, I don't think he's a top four rotation guy. I think he's a plug-and-play guy. I agree, and testament to the depth there. Like, yeah. he's only getting in if he's just – destroying people in practice and, and power he has to be playing at a really 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 high level because there's so much depth you don't have to you don't have to put a kid in there early before he wants to and i think we're all on the same page uh last question here sorry we skipped some but again i think we kind of went over a lot of the topics uh, but but you mentioned uh nazir upshire earlier and coconut p asked any insight on on his progress his development i, I think he's starting to at least we're kind of get a clear picture of of what he is. Yeah, I wouldn't consider him a tight end anymore. I wouldn't consider him a running back or a fullback. I'd consider him an H-back. He's yeah. a guy who's a capable blocker. He's actually a very, very good blocker. Mm-hmm. And he is capable of coming out of backfield and catching it. But again, I said it on the message board yesterday, and I kind of said it earlier in the show. I think FSU's offensive skill talent is away from that spot. Like yeah. Fullback and H-back, I don't think, are where you go. You're not going to give snaps to those guys and take the ball out of receivers, tight ends, and running backs' hands. Any, anything on Pops, Bob? No, I like it. All right. I think I think we'll end it on – man, I just can't end the podcast. Like, I think we do well all the way through, but I just can't end it on a – don't stare and judge me, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think we should end the podcast now. Yeah, I think it was a good day. No, li- listen, guys. I, one practice, uh, only so much to take away, but I thought there was a lot of encouraging things. Uh, when you see the one, the eye test, like this team looks the part. There is depth. There is speed. There is athleticism on multiple levels, pretty deep at almost every single position. I think that's there, and I think. Jimbo mentioned competitiveness. I thought yeah. this team looked like they'll get after it a little bit yesterday. Fairly focused bunch. I didn't feel like there was a lot of fake enthusiasm. I mm-hmm. felt like guys were getting after it. There's certainly leadership. Derwin's leading that train. I think DeAndre's gotten much better at that on the offensive side of the ball. It, it's got a lot of good components. They've got a chance of being a really solid bunch. And I, I think opening with Bama is a good thing for this bunch. I think this is a mature, talented enough team to handle such an obstacle out the gate. No, I, I agree. I think they, they – I like where their head's at right now. I think that's encouraging for Florida State fans. If nothing else, I think that they are understanding of what's ahead of them. So, all right, guys, that'll wrap up uh, this episode of the Knowles 24-7 Podcast. I'm Brendan Sinone. Thanks uh, to Chris Nee and Bob Ferrante for joining me. We'll talk to you next time.